Welcome to the How's Your Soul podcast. My name is Andrew, and you are listening to Season 1, Episode 10, Jonah Sucks, where we explore the impact of anger and bitterness in the life of Jonah and see what we can learn from his story. So growing up, uh, if you grew up in the church, you're going to totally relate to this. You hear a lot of childhood stories of just like Bible stories, right? And, and actually, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think even those that have no affiliation with, with Christianity at all, you've actually probably heard some some level of these stories, right? You have like Moses parting the Red Sea and the whole Exodus, right? You hear the story of Noah and the ark, right? I feel like a lot of people outside the church has probably heard that. David and Goliath, right? Probably a lot of people outside the church has heard that. And then you have the life and death of Jesus. Of course, growing up, you have the G-rated version, right? And so they leave a lot of gruesome details out. But I feel like when it came to the story of Jonah, I don't know, something got, something, we missed the mark somehow, right? Because I can remember listening to the story of Jonah and it, and it was almost like he was like this heroic prophet, right? Who's like, he's running away from from God and that's not a good thing, but he repents and he comes back and he preaches this message and all of Nineveh was saved. Woohoo! Right. And it's like this big moment where Jonah's just like amazing. He's like this amazing prophet. I would not even read the book of Jonah until, oh man, I don't even know if I read it while I was a pastor. Gosh, was it afterwards? I read through the whole Bible after I got fired um, for being a pastor. So at, at that point, I had read the story. But anyway, at some point in my like young adolescence, young adult, more young adult, when I was a young adult, I remember reading the story and just being like, no way, right? This is so dramatically different from how I pictured Jonah and like growing up with that story. It was just so different and it wrestled with such deep topics, like soul level topics of our response being of anger and God's questioning of our anger and God's justice and God's grace and mercy and how that plays out to our, I mean, it's just packed. And so when I was thinking about, you know, an episode of anger and how it interacts with our soul, how it could lead to soul wounds, I was like, man, we need to look at the story of Jonah, but from the from the adult perspective, from the from the biblical perspective, not the children's perspective, because there's some real stuff there. Uh, so we'll get to into that in just a second. Um, you know, as I thought about anger in my life, and as you reflect about anger in your life, it's, it's interesting. You know, I didn't grow up angry. I had an amazing childhood. Somewhere along the way, it was when I got into high school and, you know, I wasn't like a rebellious high schooler. It's like the most hardcore music I listened to was like DC Talk and like Toby Mac and I played soccer, you know, and I was homeschooled. It's, it's, not, it's not like, uh, you know, put that on paper. And I, don't, I don't look like a rebellious kid, but I, I really enjoyed, um, oh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to say out loud, but I, it's, it's not even fantasizing but it's almost like I really enjoyed repicturing situations where I, I, I looked bad um or right I was put in a tough situation I didn't respond the way that I wanted to and I, and I really enjoyed like daydreaming almost that's a better word daydreaming of like these moments again like reliving them but just full sending on, on just like being angry and wrathful and like just right like I, I feel like I wasn't treated justly so let me relive that conversation where I end up on top and justice is is served so to speak 
I call these imaginary conversations because I became really obsessed with these for some reason and they fueled my soul. They really did. They were like this source of just like anger and frustration. I could just vent to myself and like imagine a situation where I had responded differently and had like gotten the upper hand and won the argument. Maybe I'm the only person literally listening to this podcast who does this, but it became really unhealthy. When I got fired as a pastor, that was like the only thing I did in my free time was just like daydream of, and there were so many conversations that I feel like I handled really poorly, whether that was before I was getting fired, while I was getting fired, or after I was getting fired, right? There's literally just like a, so many, just a whole array of conversations where I, I wish I could go back and, and just say, not even in anger, but oftentimes it was anger, but just say, like, stand up for myself. Good night. Like, ugh, I was such a weak leader. Anyway, put that aside. I would have these conversations all the time, these imaginary conversations where I was just really angry and heated. And I would, li- I kid you not, I would be driving. Who knows who would see me? If they saw me, they'd be like, this guy's literally insane. He's actually crazy. Because I'd be yelling in my car towards the person that I'm having the imaginary conversation with. A real person. But at the time, obviously, I'm picturing the whole thing. Where I am just absolutely laying out and destroying this person. Like logically, emotionally, the whole nine. And then I'd feel really good about myself. Anyway, I realized that anger in many senses... It is, it's addictive to our soul and it is a easier emotion to feel and express than its opposite, which is typically grace and love. That typically takes a lot more discipline. It's a lot more difficult to do, specifically in situations where you feel wrong. Whereas anger is a very addictive, raw, real response to something. And it's easy to get stuck in that cycle, that perpetual cycle of staying angry. And I think that's where I want to drive this conversation. As we look at the book of Jonah, right? I want to really, I don't want to just look at anger as an emotion because God was angry. Right, God had a had a righteous anger. Anger in and of itself isn't a bad thing. I want to look at what happens when the soul begins to really just sink and soak itself in anger. Almost where it becomes like bitterness or hatred towards someone or something. Because that began to shift the dynamic of who I am now. It's no longer that I just experienced and expressed anger. Something in my soul, when I just latch onto anger and I just allow it to soak into my soul and it becomes really addictive emotion for me to express, that's when things begin to like really shift for me. How I begin to view relationships in a negative way, in a pessimistic way, right? Bitterness towards that person. How I begin to view myself, right? And ultimately, when 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 justice is involved and God becomes a part of this whole picture, how I see God. And we're going to really see that in the story of Jonah, right? When anger is latched onto his soul, his view of God shifts, not in truth, but just in his emotion and expression. It's really fascinating. So let's, I want to look at this. I want to look at the story of Jonah. I'll highlight some things, but I, I won't go like, through the whole, it's only four chapters. So if you have time, read it. It's actually really fascinating, specifically if you've grown up in like the, the children's version of Jonah and you've never actually read it for yourself, just go read it. Or listen to it. I listen to it into the car and, you know, it takes like 15 minutes. Anyway, we all kind of know the beginning of the story, right? So Jonah is an Israelite. He's a prophet. Okay, so let's give some context to this whole story. A prophet is just a messenger 
Okay, it's not someone that necessarily foresees the future, though sometimes that does happen. But a prophet quite literally translates to just a messenger of God. So God would give Jonah a message and he would be obedient in delivering the message to that people group, whether that was the Israelites, whether that was a outside nation. And Jonah was being a prophet in this story as it starts off and he receives a message from God and the message is something that really troubles him. Okay, so verse two in Jonah chapter one, it says, uh, this is God speaking to Jonah, it says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because his wickedness has come up before me. Now, that sounds like a message of condemnation. Later on, we learn that it's a message of redemption, right? That he used to go and, and give them an opportunity for repentance. It's not just like, hey, you guys are awful and you're wicked and you suck and I'm going to I'm gonna like rain fire down on you, right? It was more of a, hey, this is an opportunity for you to make things right. What is your response, right? And Jonah didn't really like that. Again, context, because Nineveh was an incredible city, huge city uh, run by the Assyrians and uh, history, not just biblical history, but just history in general would, would, would tell us that the Assyrians were a very nasty group of people, right? Their war tactics, uh, horrendous, right? They would gouge people's eyes out and ru- let them run back into their own city. They would cut people's legs. They would amputate. They would, they would, they would, they would impale people. I mean, they had like some of the most gruesome ways to kill people to just spark fear into the nation that they were attacking. And they did a- attack Israel, right? They did attack, they, they were, they were bordering Israel at the time of, of Jonah and they were attacking, uh, during the time of Jonah, but shortly after they would actually take over the entire city. Um, and I don't know what, what, what happened to Jonah at that point. We don't know, but yeah, the Assyrian would, would just overrun the Israelites and they would hold them captive. And of course they'd probably do the practices that they do. And just in general, they're, they're a really wicked. They're just a really wicked group of people right? They are full of just sin. And by sin, I mean, they are just, (laughs) they are just sexually exploiting everything in their culture. Uh, they they're worshiping gods that required worshiping baby. I mean, not worshiping babies, murdering babies, sacrificing. I mean, it was the culture that they lived in was just so toxic and chaotic and, and yeah, sinful in the Christian term, right? Just a really corrupt, there you go, corrupt, uh, city. And so of course, let's put ourselves in Jonah's shoes for a second. Let's let's kind of expand a little bit right beyond the narrative. Let's assume that Jonah actually knows people that have been really really wronged, killed, uh tortured by the Assyrians. Cuz that's that could be likely. He could know people. He could be very intimate with people who have had really awful interactions with the Assyrians and he could have had a really awful interaction with the Assyrians, specifically with the city of Nineveh and the Ninevites. And so for him to go then and speak a message of redemption feels unjust. It's like, God, what are you doing? God, don't you see these people are, are attacking and destroying your nation, your people? What, why, like, what are you doing about it? Why are you asking me to go speak a message of redemption to these people when they're the ones that are supposed to be experiencing your wrath and your justice? And so, of course, as we know the story, right, Jonah goes on and he he runs away and he boards this ship and he's heading literally in the opposite direction of where he's supposed to be going. This whole huge wave comes, this 
a crazy, crazy storm is brewing and all the people are like, we're going to die that are on the ship. And uh, there's an interesting, uh, the Bible Project, I'll see actually if I can link, the Bible Project does a really great job explaining the book of Jonah. So I'll see if I can put a link in the show notes there. But we see this this moment when when the storm is at its like pinnacle and it's just there's no way these guys are going to survive unless something happens miraculously jonah says i will go right i'll go into the nate i'll go into the ocean right i'll i'll throw myself overboard and everyone's like no way and the whole childhood story was like such sacrifice like he would do that for these people but the Bible project spin on this, as Tim and John were talking about, and I love this, is it was actually one of the most selfish things he could have done. Because in his mind, and again, we're kind of we're kind of just we're taking context and we're and we're kind of expounding a little bit. But in his mind, it would be so much better for the for the the, the city of Nineveh to experience the wrath and justice of God than and, and for him to be able to and, and for him to die than for him to live in the in the city of Nineveh potentially experience redemption. Like for him that was unfathomable. And so he's like, I'd rather kill myself than have to go preach this message of redemption because I know my God is a God of grace and a God of love. And I just can't stand that when he's doing that to the people that are literally killing us. So he throws himself overboard. And of course, God sends, he's like, yeah, can't do that, buddy, right? You have a mission from me. I'm not just going to let you throw yourself overboard so you get swallowed by a great fish. Interestingly, and, and this might be the most boring part of the story, but I love it. It's so fascinating to me. In uh, Jonah 2, he, he kind of writes this like, he says this like prayer to God. And, you know, the prayer is really interesting, actually. He's kind of like, yeah, God, I know who you are and I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, I know you're saving me, uh, because you want to use me, right? You have a purpose for me. And he's like, I'm going to go to Nineveh, but never, he's never, is he like, God, I'm sorry. God, you know, what I did was wrong. There, there wasn't, there isn't this like change in his heart yet, right? There is still a, a when we look at Jonah's soul, there is still this anger, that re- resentment for the nation of Nineveh, rightfully so, rightfully so. Right, if we knew what they did to the Israelites, I feel like this this emotion is somewhat justified. And so here he is. He's he's spit back up on the the coast now that is closest to the city of of Nineveh, and he goes in, and he he's like, God, I'm going to do this. What's ironic is the children's story is like he preaches message of like redemption, and the whole the whole city's like, oh yes, we're going to turn from ways. But actually, read. Let me see if I can pull it up actually read what Jonah says to to the Ninevites. I'm, I'm looking it up in Jonah 3. Let's see. So verse 2, right here in verse 4. So first thing, it, it Nineveh is a very large place. So in the previous verse, verse 3, it says it takes three days to go through. Okay, so he's walking through this city, preaching this message. And here's the message. Again, again, context. It's supposed to be a message of redemption. Here's his message. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Okay, translation, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And that's it. No no message of hope, no message of uh of redemption, n- like n- none of that. I mean, he is literally giving the bare 
backbone message of what God's asking him to do. Because why? He is so resentful and hateful and bitter towards the Ninevites. What's ironic, and again, I love the Bible Project's view of this whole book because it is a giant irony, right? And so this is one of the the pinnacle moments, the crux, if you will, just is an incredibly ironic moment. He preaches one of the worst messages he's probably ever preached in his entire life. And in verse five, the Ninevites believed God, (laughs) not just, whoa, hang on, not just, not just Jonah, not just Jonah's message. They went straight to redemption and then believed in God, abandoned all the other gods that they've sacrificed. Literally, they've built an entire like religious culture around. They they moved away from that, believed in God, and a fast was proclaimed at all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth, which is just a visual mourning of what they've done. It's like we've we've wronged this we've wronged God, we've wronged other people. It's this like deep mourning and it's a visual expression of that. And so of course, what does God do? What does God do? He, he, he sees this, this is in verse 10, when he sees what they did and how they turned, repent, that's literally what repent means, right? Just to turn. I know we over-religious a whole bunch of words, but to repent literally just means to turn around, to turn away from something, to turn towards something else. And when they turned from their evil ways, ultimately towards God, they turned towards God, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And Jonah just gets, I mean, crazy ticked off. In the next, this is it right here, Jonah chapter four. If you if you don't read the whole story of Jonah because you kind of have an inkling of what it's about, go to Jonah chapter four because it is for me the biggest difference from the children's story and the and the actual biblical story. This is where it gets crazy. This is where the soul is brought into question and the emotion of anger is laid out, and the justice and grace of God is exposed, and we have a conversation about it. It's powerful. And as I look at my own life, I'm like, man, there's so many good things here. So anyway, I'm, I'm literally just going to break this through. Okay, we're going we're gonna to go through this. But to Jonah, this is verse 1, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. So he's just talking to God. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, and we get to see his, his how deeply ingrained anger has sifted and allowed into his soul. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Translation, I would rather cease to exist than live in this world where the city of Nineveh is able to prosper under the love and grace of God. And that, that is a, I mean, what a statement. Right? He's so angry and frustrated at this group of people. He says, if you're gonna, I'd rather die than watch them receive your grace. I would rather die than watch them receive your love. Right? It's unfathomable for him. And then God, I love this. I love, I love, I love this. Because I would think, again, 
I think of like this this big, huge, omnipresent, omnipowerful God would just rip into Jonah and be like, who are you to be angry? What, right? Like just like rip into him, right? I can show justice and grace to whoever I want. We kind of get that feel from God of the Old Testament, this God of just like, he. I mean, he's just like full of emotion, angry, right, wrathful. But look at, look at the question he engages with Jonah. It is so reminiscent of all of the Old Testament, right? You see it in verse four. He says, this is the Lord. Is it right for you to be angry? Like Jonah, is that is it right for you to be angry? And I love because he does this all the time, right? You look at the garden and you look at Adam and Eve and, and they sin. And God doesn't come in and say, Oh my goodness, I can't believe you guys, right? Get out of the garden and and, he, and like you've brought sin and just shame them. He says, Where are you guys? He, he knows where they are. He knows if this anger that Jonah's expression is actually right or not, but he chooses to engage with us. And he asks questions ultimately for us to kind of think through what we've done. And I think that's why this question is so powerful, right? I'm thinking through like, why would God even ask that question? Is it right to be angry? That's kind of an odd question to ask, right? Because in one instance, I, I, I really truly believe it would be easy for Jonah to say yes. I really, I really believe that. Like after all that happens in the historical context of what the Assyrians do to the nation of Israel, uh, yes. Yes, God, I have a right to be angry because justice is not being played out. But it's justice isn't being played out the way that I want it to play out. And here's why I think this question is so powerful for me, for you, for Jonah, is because it really causes us, if we really consider the question, to have to pull away from the emotion of anger and to evaluate it. hear marriage counseling advice and just like general life advice all the time right and one of the things that you'd probably hear a lot of is, is like when you're angry you know go go take five seconds go take 10 seconds to cool down right right don't don't go into a conversation specifically with your spouse and be like hot-headed right because you're not you're not going to be able to compromise you're not going to be able to come together you're not going to be able to understand one another if you're just coming in angry so go remove yourself from the situation and kind of think about it and then come back. And I think God is, he's kind of asking like a deeper question than even that. He's not just saying, hey, take a step back and like allow yourself to like chill out. He's saying even take another step, evaluate why am I angry and is my anger right? And that, I think that process really begins to, to do something to our soul. If our soul is just addicted to anger and it's fueled by anger and it's a natural response to these kind of situations is anger and it's natural response to people who harm you is anger, right? And you have to stop yourself and take a step back and say, is it right for me to be angry right now? It, it, another translation is, it, would, it be, would it do well for you? I think that's the ESV. I think there's a couple other translations. Would, it, would this do well for you? to be angry, right? Is it, is it in your best interest, Jonah, to be angry right now? Right? Think about it. Think about who I am. 
Think about what I've done for you, Jonah. The love and the grace that I show you. Why, why can't I show love and grace to another group of people? Right? Think, it causes us to really think critically of our own emotion. And I think that is the first step in the healing process when I look at anger because anger is such an explosive emotion. It kind of just erupts out of our soul when we've, when we've just kind of allowed it to, to, to sink into our soul. It just kind of erupts out of it. And we have to ask this question, is this right? Like, let me take a step back a second and really evaluate this. It slows us down. It allows wisdom to kind of seep in a little bit more. It allows the opportunity for God's grace and God's love to be an expression rather than our own anger. I mean, it's a really, really powerful question. Of course, Jonah doesn't answer that question. He instead goes out of the city and sits down. He makes a shelter for himself and he literally waits until the next day because he's so He's, he's so on board with God just destroying this nation, and he so believes that he'll still do so, that God is a God of justice, and that justice will be done. So he's going out, and in verse 6, uh, the sun is kind of rising up, right? The, the scorching desert uh, sun and wind, and so here's what happens. The Lord provides a leafy plant and makes it grow over Jonah to give him shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. Like, come on, guys. Come on, right? We see we see the Old Testament God as just full of anger, wrath. He's like killing people left and right. But man, when you get into the details of some of these stories, don't get me wrong. There are some deep questions to be asked when you read through the Old Testament. But there are some like really deep, intimate moments of compassion that God shows that he does not need to. And so here's one of them, right? He's easing his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a a worm, which chewed the plants that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so much that he grew faint. And he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. No change of heart. Right? Truly, this anger, resentment, and bitterness, and hatred towards the city of Nineveh has like, it is no longer just a spiritual component of his soul. It, there is physically impacting him. He is so stubborn in his own anger that he is sitting in scorching weather, crazy strong east wind, waiting for justice to happen on the city of Nineveh. Right? It, the, the, the anger that he has allowed his soul to just consume has no longer just been a spiritual, emotional experience. It is physically impacting him, as does anger in our life. As does anger in our, it is never just an emotion. It, it can it can become a physical weight and burden that we wear every single day, thinking that we're being freed, thinking that it's an enjoyable thing to just vent. And yet, when we really truly ask the question, "Is it right for me to be angry?" and take a step back, we realize, "Wow, this really is a burden in my life. This is really weighing on my soul. Right, I'm trapped." I'm a captive of my own anger because I keep having to come back to these situations to kind of feel good, to kind of get that emotional high, if you will, this addictive anger that allows me to erupt and feel these emotions, right? Like I keep coming back to that, but ultimately I'm captive to it. I'm trapped to it. And when I take a step back and ask if that's right, and I can say no, and I need to turn towards and away from that and begin to embark on forgiveness, which we talked about in the previous episode, right, with Jonathan. And man, when I really begin to really look critically at that question and begin to think through maybe forgiveness or love or grace or patience 
that is where true freedom begins to happen. But here's what's so fascinating about the story is God re-asks that question once he says, it's better for me to die than to live in verse 9. God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Right? His ang- he's just angry. He's angry at Nineveh and now he's angry at the plant dying. He's like, what the heck? Right? This was nice. I enjoyed the comfort. Right? And so, and, and Jonah actually responds this time. Funny, he didn't respond to the Nineveh, but he responds to the plant. He says, it is. And I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. And the Lord says this in verse 10. You have been so concerned about this plant, but you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand and also many animals? Well, there's there's irony there. Uh, there's, it, it, there's a lot to unpack with the whole animal comment. Let's just focus on <laughs> the rest of it real quick because God's making a really interesting point. By the way, the book ends right there. By the way, it's like it just it, God responds and then that's it. We're left like, okay, what the heck? You don't know what happens to Jonah. You don't know what happens to Nineveh. You don't know what happens to anything, the animals, whatever, right? You're kind of left sitting there. But but God brings up this like really interesting point because when we look at God and we look at situations like this where we have felt so wronged by another individual, we just want wrath and justice to happen. We want justice. Our soul seeks justice. And when it doesn't happen the way that we want it to, it fuels that anger and that emotion and God comes in and says, right, like, can I not show love and grace to them just as I have shown love and grace to you when you're the same way, when you've hurt other people, right, when you've hurt me, right, and I come back and I show my love to you, and I show my grace to you, and I forgive you? Can I do that to, the, to, to these people as well? It's a powerful question because my gut in those moments where I feel so wrong, I want to just say, no, no, God, give them that wrath that they deserve. And then yet I have to say, does that mean I should be privy to that same level that I hold and standard that I hold for other people? Again, is it right for me to think this way? If I begin to adopt the mindset of God actually let me let me let me rephrase that. One of the things that I what I really try to do is I really try to think through uh, like the man I want to be, the man I want to become. Like I don't know, twenty years down the road. Gosh, I'm almost thirty. Um, I'm getting old already. Twenty years down the road, who do I want to be? The man that I want to be, and when I look through. The man I want to be in the context of anger, I don't see an angry person. I see a wise person full of patience and love and gentleness and easily forgives those that have wronged him. And there's this great like peace about his life, even when things don't go the way that they that they should in his mind, right? Even when human justice isn't served, even when he's been wronged or or impacted negatively by other people, right? There's this there's this peace because he recognizes that that God is God's God, man. He's figured this out. 
he's ultimately loving and 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 perfectly showing of grace and mercy but also just like he does show justice he doesn't forget this right he he forgives but this is this is right there is still a justice to be done and and to trust that process and to trust that God will will do right by you is is such a discipline and it's so difficult when the natural expression is to just be angry but when I look at that person in the future I say man it's full of just he's just full of patience and grace and love that's who I want to be and so I look at this story of Jonah and I look at my life and I begin to ask those questions. I want to ask the same question that God asked Jonah when I get angry. Is it right for me? Take a step back, Andrew, and begin to process through, is this emotion right? Is there a better emotion to feel here? Rather than being fueled by anger, can I be fueled by God's love for that person? Rather than be fueled by anger, can I be fueled by his peace and grace towards another person? And I think as we begin to get into that mindset, it's a discipline. It's absolutely a discipline, but I really, truly believe as we begin to embark on that, that journey of asking that question and potentially that even leads to things like, like showing grace and showing mercy and showing forgiveness, which are all really difficult, challenging things that ultimately bring freedom. I really do believe that's how we will begin to heal our soul's wounds as it pertains to anger. And so I'm excited. This is like a hurrah for me because I, I wrestle with anger. I struggle with anger. And so this is like this ultimate hurrah for me as we conclude the episode is for me to go out and be someone who is wise, who takes a step back, who is willing to engage in the difficult things, not the easy things, because easy would just be to explode in anger. The difficult things would be to take a step back and react in love and grace and peace. How can I do that? Am I doing that? Because ultimately, that'll be the point where I begin to turn my soul away from feasting on anger and living in captivity to turning towards love and grace and being freed of that and allowing my soul to heal, our souls to heal from anger. And so that's my challenge to us as we continue living our life. Hurt people hurt people. We're going to interact with others that do, in fact, hurt us. What is our response in that moment? Will it be anger or will it be full of God's love and grace that he has showed us time and time and time again? 